worship your holy name here today. God, you are so worthy. God, and we, we just bow before you here this morning. God, and acknowledging you as God. Acknowledging you as Lord of our lives. God, we just want to give you all control of our lives. Make you complete, Lord, of everything. Praise you, Father. God, we just bless you today. We bless you for everything you are, everything you stand for, everything you've been. God, we just pray you bless the open service over the message that we're about to hear, that we can receive it, Lord, and apply it to our lives, and you'll be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Many of you are probably sad to see that it's just me up here and not Pastor Terry. And I was really anxious, kind of nervous about this morning's message. And I couldn't figure out why until this morning because we prepared so much last week. And I was always encouraging Terry, like, this is going to be awesome, Terry. It's going to be incredible. We're going to be so excited. And, and I kept telling him this. And then he'd be like, I'm pretty nervous about this message. I don't think it's going to be good. And then I'd encourage him again. And then this week it was my turn. And I prepared my message. And have gone over it, and there, it's just been a lot of silence. And then I start thinking to myself, is this going to be any good? Like, I start getting concerned, like, this is going to be horrible. And then I'm just reminded continually by many of you and by God, it's not about me. It's not about this presentation. It's all about the Word of God. And we want to say thank you on behalf of Terry and I for all the encouragement and support from so many of you. We, we received emails. We received, thank you. 
We've received emails and connect cards, and many of you have wrote handwritten letters just to say um, just how impactful the message was last week, that it really spoke to you about discipleship. And we even received some things just of people saying, I'm going to start referring to myself as a disciple and, and really changing my life to look like a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited as we continue on. We've only in one week of our series on discipleship. And so we still have four or five weeks left on discipleship. So we're going to be covering a lot of different areas. And before I begin into that, I want to give a praise report about our Connect cards. And so we have a new process. Our church has not done the best job in the past of responding to Connect cards. Connect cards are on the seat back in front of you. And you fill these out if you're a visitor or a guest or if you have a prayer request or there's somebody in the hospital or something we can pray for or any of that, you fill this out and it comes to us. And in the past, we haven't done the greatest job getting back with you. And so we've implemented a new system and we've been doing it two weeks now where we're going to see these cards, Pastor Terry and I, before we leave church on Sunday. And so they're immediately taken out of the offering and we receive them. So if there's an emergency we're going to know and we're going to respond to it immediately. And so we're just working on this. We want you to know we really do want to hear from you. Likes, dislikes, things we can pray for. If somebody's in the hospital, let us know. Our deacons have already visited some people this week. And we're looking for people that they can go visit because that's part of their job. That's part of our job, why we're a family. And so when somebody's missing or something's going on, we don't know what to pray for. And so Another praise is last week, and this is the first time this has happened since I've been here, is in the children's department, we needed four new nursery workers. And so it was in the bulletin, we needed four. And I'm excited to say that at the end of the service, by the time service was done on Sunday, we had filled every single position as a church. So I was excited. So that is exciting. Um, Plus it was working with children, you know, so that's already two strikes against it. And it was with four, and all of them were filled, and just what a blessing that is. You don't know how tremendous that is, just as on staff and as pastors, just to have a need and to present it to the church, and then immediately it's taken care of, and we can just move on to the next thing. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for for that willingness. Um, Would you please pray with me as we jump into today's message and ask that God opens your heart and speaks through me. Let's pray. God, that is exactly what we ask, that I may fade into the background and be considered nothing, and that you and your word may be proclaimed in this place. May you speak to hearts. May you challenge us and convict us. Draw us closer to you. Put a burden on our hearts for discipleship, evangelism, and outreach. God, help us to love you. Help us to glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we have a pop quiz from last week. Pop quiz, um, starting first week, and we went through three schools, educational systems. The first was called Betsafer. I won't make you name them, but it started at age six and went to age 12. Good, I heard it. All right. The next one is the Bet Midrash, and it started at age 13, and then it went to age 15. Great. I'm getting more support. And then the last one was the Bet Talmud, and it started at age 15, and then it went to age 30. Great. So everybody is with us, or most people are with us. So that was educational schooling system. If you weren't here last week, that's okay. You don't have to know this. It's just some background. And then we said a disciple is three things. The first thing is they are devoted. 
Secondly, they are passionate. And third, they are weak and flawed. I'm so excited. Our church is remembering these things. So, because listen, if you didn't get those, I was just going to preach last week's message and call Terry up here again. And we were just going to do it again. But since you got all these things, we're moving forward. And after Jesus called his disciples to himself, which is incredible that if you have heard the word of God, he's calling you to himself. Maybe you don't know him today. Maybe you've known him for a long time, but God is calling you to be a disciple, a follower of his, to forgive you of all your sins, to cleanse you, bring you into righteousness, and restore you. And so now that he's called us, what does he want to do with us? We're going to look back at what he did with the disciples and what he didn't do. And so this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. So if you have the word of God, Matthew chapter 28, if everyone could open there, and we're going to be going through a lot of scriptures this morning, okay? A lot of scriptures, that's a good thing. What's not a good thing is you probably won't be out for lunch, but we're going to be going through, just kidding, just kidding. I have to eat, all right? So we're going to be going through a lot of scriptures. In fact, we're going to be going through all five of the great commissional passages. So we're going to briefly run through all of them and then discuss and talk about them. So the first one, Matthew chapter 28, we're going to be starting in verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, he's going to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, pause, I can't break down every one we're going to go into, but this is one I do want to jump into. When you read or hear the word therefore in scripture, you need to stop and look, what is it there for? Okay, that's a biblical interpretation method. When you're reading, what is it there for? In college, you learn as you're studying how to study the Bible. When you read, therefore, you stop and think, what is that there for? And then you go back and look why there is there to begin with, okay? I'm saying this so you're going to remember, therefore, go back and look what is there for. Now, let's go back and look what therefore is there for. Ready? All right. In verse 18, therefore, we can go and make disciples because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Jesus. And Jesus commissioned us, and since he had all power and authority, and he commissioned us, we can therefore now go do what? Make disciples. And so if therefore was not there, and he did not have all power and authority, we could not therefore go. But since he does have all those things, and he has imparted to us those things through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can now therefore go, let's keep reading, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, key word here, everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that is the first one. So if you like to write in your Bible, put a little one and circle it. That's the first great commission. There's actually five. We're going to go to the next one, and it is Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. This is from the perspective of a different disciple, as are all of the Gospels. And then we go into Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 15, and it says, He said to them, Jesus speaking to his disciples, Go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Okay? So that's the second one. You can put a two in your Bible. Let's keep moving. Luke, 
And I promise we're going to cover these, okay? We're going to dig into these a little bit more. We're just getting a brief overview. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Moving right along, Luke chapter 24. And in Luke 24, we're going to start in verse 46 and go to 49. And it says, He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you, us, the disciples, them. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. We saw a few weeks ago that what did God send them in the book of Acts? He sent them the... Holy Spirit, right? And so through the Holy Spirit, we can now go. Let's keep going. We're going to be in John chapter... uh, We're going to be in Acts, sorry. No, John. We already already just read that one. John chapter 20. Sorry, I, I confused myself and then confused you. John chapter 20, verse 21 through 22. This will be the fourth great commissional passage. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And the last one that many people don't know, which actually Dr. Sullivan preached on two weeks ago, was Acts 1.8. And it's the final kind of commissioning out of the disciples. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, we just covered a lot of scripture. We just read all five great commissional passages, and you're probably thinking now, so what? Like, what do I do with all of that? You just read a lot of things, and I have no idea really why you read all of those, but we're going to get to that, okay? And it's important to understand that these five great commissional passages are not all about one thing as a church that we normally make them about. And that one thing that we normally make them about all the time may be startling to you. And some of you might even be offended by it. These passages of going out are not about evangelism. They're not about missions. And they're not about church outreach programs. Even though they say go. Even though they say to the ends of the earth, even though they say Judea, Samaria, and all these things, that's not the focus of them. And so as we move, I want everybody to understand, before it gets out of this room, some of you might even be Facebooking right now, Casey's against evangelism. Um, Before that happens, I I do want to show you that I'm not against evangelism. I'm going to save these people right here. I'm just kidding. No. Um, I actually carry this around. This is my satchel, my wife. And some others call it my man purse or my European handbag. And when that happens, they lose all rights and privileges to this and anything inside of it. Until they have to humbly admit that they're sorry and that it is a satchel and then they can use something. Um, It's a satchel. Indiana Jones had one, okay? So some of you carry these because I've seen them, okay? Um, Starting out has a patch on there. And I'm showing this that... I'm for evangelism, I'm for missions, I'm for outreach. I love those things. This patch, Terry, Terry did a face palm here and is kind of scared that I'm going to go over this, but that's okay. I work with students. Okay, 
This patch has a picture of Jesus on it, supposedly. We don't know what he looked like exactly, but it has Jesus, and he has something in his hand pointing it, and it's a firearm, okay? So it's Jesus with a gun, and it's a patch on my bag as a pastor. I know. Um, This was given to me by somebody who's agnostic, atheistic, and he's a philosophy major, okay? He's actually a philosopher, and he thought, why don't I give this to Pastor Casey? He would probably think it's not very funny, and it would probably ruffle his feathers a little bit. So I got this as a gift, and I said, that's awesome. I was excited about it, put it on my bag, and you know what happens now when I go around and have this? People start to ask me about it. And you know what type of people talk to me about this? Agnostics, atheistic, philosophy people, people who have questions about God. And so it's just a conversation starter, something that I have with me all the time. Now, I don't know why people are freaked out with Jesus with a gun. If he had a gun, we know one thing, right? He wouldn't sin with it, right? So anything he he could possibly do with it's not going to be bad. But this is a conversation starter. It's evangelism. I carry around with me in my bag a couple of different things that if God wants to use, he can use. Um, This is something, it just has pictures, and it's... A hundred something cards has pictures and I've used this with some of our students. I've even gone to lunches and start playing this. I've actually been in a doctor's office waiting room and you start looking through some of these pictures and you're going through these pictures and it starts to represent things. You know, here you have somebody, a guy in the middle with his ears plugged and two people yelling at him. It starts to represent things in your life going on. I've been in a waiting room where I start talking with people about this. By the end of a few minutes, the whole waiting room of people is playing the game, okay? And it's discussion starters, evangelism tools and tactics to be able to start conversations with people. And then last, I carry something in this bag, and it is a million-dollar bill, all right? And this has a gospel track, a presentation on the back. It talks about, for those of you who are in this place, and maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're not even sure if you believe in God, you know, this is something that you can start to read. And the Spirit of God says in His Word that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and it will convict you of your sin. This has some things on there that will convict people of their sins, showing them that they've broken God's law. And if you're in here and you've never professed to be a believer or you don't know anything about God, the Bible says some very clear things about you. And it says, for one, that you're a sinner and you've broken God's command. And one day you're going to have to stand in judgment because of that thing. But it also says there's some great news that you can have because of this. If that's you on your way out, everybody's going to get one of these and you can read it. It's a gospel presentation. So I say all these and I bring up this goofy bag with these goofy things to show you I love evangelism, I love outreach, and I love missions. I love doing those type of things. However, the great commissional passages in the Bible are not about evangelism and missions, and outreach. And so don't leave here saying he's anti-evangelism. The church is turning inward. Listen, these passages are much more than that. It's what we're going to dig into this morning. And so this is why I've actually entitled today's message, not the Great Commission, but the Great Omission, because we've left some things out. And when you look at the definition of the word omission, it says there's someone or something that has been left out or excluded. Many times when we talk about evangelism in these passages, we're leaving something out. And I want to explain this a little bit more in depth. The five passages we just read, 
When you add up all the words together, there's about 235 words in these great commissional passages. And if the gospel message is the death, burial, and resurrection, and that Jesus died for you so you can go to heaven and be with him forever, if that is the end goal, why did it take Jesus three and a half years here on earth with his disciples? If I could give a tract out to somebody, or you could share the gospel with somebody and walk away, or we could read this great commissional passage and then go, why did it take Jesus close to 1,300 days with his disciples? Slow learners. learners. Some people (laughs) slow learners, right? Well, we are all slow learners. But it wasn't just that there was going to be a death, a burial, a resurrection. There was much more than that. And he was teaching us through much more than that. And that's something, I mean, Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever lived. And it took him three and a half years to get the disciples to a level to where he said, you're ready. And we just read some passages about that. And so 235 words are all of the great commissional passages. We need to ask ourselves, what about the rest of the New Testament? He said, go and command and teach to them everything I have commanded you. Everything is not 235 words. It's actually 180,000 other words, okay, in the New Testament. That's just the New Testament, 180,000 other words. So I want to ask you, as followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ, are you more familiar with the 235, the death, burial, resurrection, or the 180,000 other words? Because as disciples of Jesus Christ, if we've been called to be disciples and make disciples, we need to know what we're making. And the only way we can know what we're making is what he's already done in us. The only way he works things in us is if we've already spent time with his word and changed us. That's why it took Jesus so long with his disciples. That's why it's a process with us. And so moving through, um, I had a kind of illustration here that I wanted to go into. And Most Christians spend, you know, one hour a week in church, and let's say they go to church every day. Jesus spent 1,300 days here on earth with his disciples. When you break that down, he spent about 31,200 hours with them. 31,200 hours he devoted to these 12 men. Now, for us to get 31,200 hours, do you know how long it would take us in our typical church setting of one hour a week, 52 times a year, times how many years? It would take 600 years. I don't have 600 years. None of you have 600 years. So this can't be done where? Here. It can't be done on Sunday morning, which is why we we are trying as a church to implement and focus on connect groups, core classes, Sunday morning, and outside of this place, discipleship. Because it doesn't happen here. If it would happen in large settings, why didn't Jesus talk more in large settings? He didn't. He talked in small groups with 12 men, and he poured hours and hours and hours into these men. So we need to understand it can't happen here. So as we look back into this, we're going to look at how Jesus did discipleship. He was about discipleship that was God-glorifying in every aspect of the way. And so he gave us an example, 
And so what we're going to do now is we're going to look back into Scripture, what he did, and we're going to start with Acts because that is where we were at. And we're going to go backwards. And there's two reasons for this. One is we're already there in our Bibles, probably, Acts chapter 1. The second is I want when people ask you on the way out of church today, hey, how was the message? You know, what would you guys talk about? You can say you actually literally scoured the Scriptures forwards and backwards, right? We went through it, and now we're going back through it backwards. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I want to give you a new framework, a new lens to view the Scriptures in for discipleship. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Well, what are they witness of? What did they witness? A lot. They witnessed a lot in three and a half years. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They witnessed all those things, but they also witnessed Jesus waking up at three, four o'clock in the morning and going and spending time by himself with God. They witnessed the Son of God doing that. They witnessed that he didn't say anything unless he spent time in the Word about it and in prayer. They, didn't, they see Jesus teaching all the time. They see him being all about God's glory. They saw three and a half years of this. So they were witnesses, not to him just dying, buried, and resurrection. They witnessed how to live a fulfilling Christian life that ultimately is going to glorify God. So moving down, let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And then it says, again, Jesus said, and this is verse 21 through 22. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This passage seems a little bit tougher to try to figure out what it is. There's not witnesses or anything in there. But if you were reading through the book of John, you would have came to John chapter 12 first. And in John chapter 12, verse 49, it says these incredible verses says, I did not come speaking on my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. This is Jesus talking. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So this means that everything that Jesus said was from whom? God. God the Father. Everything he said. And if it took Jesus three and a half years to share everything God the Father had told him, and he didn't have any wasted words, it's going to take us a long time. Because I waste a lot of words, right? Some of you are probably thinking that. He's sure wasting a lot of words. But that's the way that God is, in that we have to submit to him. And the passage says everything that was spoken by God, Jesus said. And it took three and a half years with these men. We have to commit to do the same thing. Let's move over to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 says, he told them, this is what is written. And then when you go down to verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. Again, we are witnesses of these things Jesus did. And then moving on in verse 49, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power on high. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says this about the Holy Spirit he's going to clothe us with. And if you are a Christian, you have clothed right now through the Holy Spirit. It says, His divine power has given us 
you and me everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have been given everything we need through the Holy Spirit to live a life of godliness. That's been done through the Holy Spirit, and it's because, therefore, all the power and authority has been given that now we can go. And so even this passage is talking about not evangelism and missions, but discipleship. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. In Mark 16, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel in summary, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's so much more than that. It's not just telling somebody that Jesus came, he died for you and for your sins, he rose again, believe in him, and now you can have eternal life. If it was just that simple, why didn't Jesus come down and say, all right, listen, guys, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to be resurrected again, believe in me, and you can have eternal life. Why did he not do that then? Why instead did he spend 1,300 days with his disciples? Because discipleship takes a long time, it's a process, and it's effective. And he was setting the model for us to follow. Jesus was all about discipleship, and we have to be all about discipleship as well. And out of that, I would argue, comes evangelism, missions, and outreach. Let's keep moving. Matthew 28, and this one really brings it home. In Matthew 28, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Your favorite word, church? Next one is? Therefore, go and, key word here, make disciples. It's not about going. It's about making disciples. See, when we go, and I know we've been praying for Pastor Terry to be saved for a long time, When we go and let's say I sit down and start having a conversation with Pastor Terry and I lead him to faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ or whoever it may be, have we arrived at the top of Christian life now? We've just brought somebody into the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're so excited. And then what happens? I want you to understand and begin to get the perspective that that is just the tip of the iceberg. When you lead someone to Jesus Christ, many times we think like that's the main thing, that's the big goal. If I could just do that, I'd be a successful Christian. God says that's the easy part. Discipleship is going gonna, is gonna to be the tough part. Here's where you have to really work, bear with one another and their burdens. A quick question because some of you might be zoning out here a little bit. So I'm going to talk about food because all of you like food and get you ready for lunch. Um, how many of you like any type of fish whatsoever. Maybe it's a grouper sandwich. Maybe it's any type of seafood fish. Raise your hand. Any type of fish. All right. Most everybody likes some type of fish. And I heard this illustration yesterday and expanded on a little bit from some friends. It works perfectly into today's message. How many of you love to fish? You like to go fishing. Raise your hand. All right. A lot less. Raise their hand. How many of you absolutely love, and it's your favorite part of the whole thing, cleaning fish? I got one, all right? I got one person out of everybody. This is the illustration of kind of discipleship. We learned last week where Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so people come, 
they're following Jesus. He's going to make them fishers of men. Maybe you're Christian. You've accepted Jesus Christ. You're going to be a fisher of men now. Evangelism. You're fishermen. You catch a fish. All right? Because everybody likes to eat fish. I want you to forget this part. Eating fish is like being discipled. It's what you're getting right now. You're eating. You're eating right now. When you go to a core class and you're reading through God's word, you're eating. You're eating God's word. Everybody loves to eat. Not everybody likes to fish. So you're fishing. You catch somebody. Evangelism, right? Outreach. Missions. Somebody comes to faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ. Now you have this fish. You have this man, this woman that just came to faith, believing the gospel. What has to happen? Well, the discipleship aspect of it is the part where you're going to get in their life and you're going to find out all the the bad things going on, the things of how messed up they are. They're going to see how messed up you are, right? And that's where the rubber meets the road and discipleship happens. Discipleship is the part nobody likes to do because it's sticky. It takes a long time. It's gross. They're going to learn about you and you're going to learn about them. And that's like cleaning the fish. And it happens just like everybody raised their hand. They love to to eat. Very few love to fish. But almost none of us like to do discipleship. And it's through discipleship that God says, if we start doing this as a church, our church is going to explode with incredible things. Not that it's about church growth, but God does want his church to grow, but he wants to use us. And he wants to use us to glorify him. And so... We know that many of you are like, well, I don't know how to clean fish. I don't know how to do discipleship. And that's why Terry and I have decided that we're going to start something for those who are interested. And I know Terry is already meeting with a group of men, and I'm meeting with a group of men. We we meet on different days. But we want to open this up more to our church. For those who are really interested, who want to do this, we're going to be launching a new core class, and it will begin April 7th. So if you are interested in learning how to do discipleship. And in this, you're going to learn how to do evangelism. In this, you're going to learn some doctrine. You're going to learn some theology. You're going to learn some apologetics. You're going to learn how to share your faith. You're going to learn all those things. But if you are interested in that, we encourage you to join us April 7th in our core class upstairs. Now, we're not looking for hundreds and hundreds of people because the reality of it is we probably won't have that many. But even if we just get a few, that's exactly what Jesus did. He just got a few who are willing and ready and wanting to dig deep. And so we're going to talk about that next week, how God actually uses the discipleship process to spread the gospel around the world and how he multiplies that. But we need to understand discipleship can't be taught from a Sunday morning pulpit. And it can't even effectively be taught just in a core class. There has to be a lot of life-on-life application in getting to know one another. Because listen, you you aren't really getting to know me right now. And I'm not really getting to know you. But when my wife and I go home, she sees the real me and I see the real her. That's why in marriage, you know, you're dating this person and you love them so much and they love you so much. And then you get married and then all of a sudden you realize, who is this? (laughs) Right? Who is this person that I married? And they're thinking, well, you're not, you know, Mr. Whoever either. And that's because you can only fake it so long in a marriage. Well, on a Sunday morning, we can put on a face and we can fake it and then go back home. But in discipleship, after three and a half years Jesus spent with those guys, he saw the good, the bad, and the ugly 
That's why discipleship has to happen. So we can see all of those aspects of these things. I know some of you are thinking, Casey, if, if I'm called to do discipleship in the way you're talking about, in the way Jesus did, I can't do that. Listen, I can't even, I don't even know John 3.16, and when I, when I do have it, and I go to share it with somebody, my mind goes blank. I can't do discipleship with somebody. I'm, I'm uneducated. I don't know much of the Bible. I don't feel qualified. And I used to, for those of you who are parents in the room, specifically moms, I used to try to do this with my mom. And I used to give these similar excuses. She would say, Casey, can you do the dishes for me? And I would say, you're so much faster at doing the dishes than I am. Right? And you may be thinking that now. Why should I do discipleship when there's pastors at a church who could do it much more effectively? You're much faster than I am. Or, I don't know where everything goes. What if I break a glass? I'm going to mess up. Or I would also do it for laundry. You know, laundry as a, as a kid in elementary school, all those dials and do I put it on hot or cold or a big load, little load. And if you're like me, I, don't, I want to make sure that it's the right size. And not that it ever matters. Um, and I could say, you're just so much faster at this, or you're so much faster at folding clothes, or what if I mess up the whole load? All those clothes are going to be ruined now. And my mom would always say the same thing to me, and she would say, you know, it, it just sounds like you need a little more practice, that's all. <laughs> that's never the answer I wanted. In fact, that was the answer that says, oh, if you're not good at it, you just need more practice to make you efficient at it, so here you go. And Jesus says the same thing to us in regards to, you're right, you're not qualified, and you're not educated. Get out there and do something about it. And so if you know that's you, you should be in the core class. You should be coming to us and saying, hey, I want to learn how to do what you talked about. I want to learn what you and Terry have been discussing about discipleship. If we have people who are willing and wanting to commit to that process, we will bend over backwards to make sure that it happens because there are people who want to pour into you. We just need to know who are willing and wanting to have that happen. And so I want to give everybody a reminder as a teaching aid on your way out today. There's going to be the deacon standing at the back of the doors and on the side. And if you want a million dollar bill, just grab one. I have plenty. I actually have thousands of these. And grab one. Maybe there's people in here, you're not even a Christian. You know, just pray for God to reveal himself to you. Read the back of this and really think about what it says. For those of you the many of us who are followers of Jesus Christ in here and we've committed our life to him, when you see this, think about when you catch a fish or if you do. You know, if you go to a restaurant and you put this down and you talk to the waiter and you put your card there saying, call me if you have any questions about what you read on this card. Listen, when they call you or you talk with somebody and you lead them to Christ or you're praying for somebody and that happens, whose job is it to clean that fish? It's yours. It's yours. We have to do discipleship. It's not outsourcing it to Terry. I'm just going to bring him to church and let the church handle it. No. We are called to go and make disciples. So it's not just evangelism. We can't stop there. And evangelism is most time where we don't even get to because we're petrified of doing it. God says it's not only evangelism. It's much more than that. So when you leave and you have this, think about evangelism is just the start. You know, if you've played on a sports team and I go to a sports team and I say, 
You know, we've been practicing for weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and waking up at five and practicing. What if your coach came and then said, all right, you guys know what to do. Let's go get them. Are you going to focus on, all right, coach said, I know what to do. Let's go. Or are you going to focus on all that training you've been having? That's what the Great Commission was. It was looking back at all the training they had. So if you don't have any training, you can't go do. You can't make. So as we close, I want for us to spend just a few moments personally, you alone with God. So before I pray, I would like all of us to reflect some time with God and just ask the Spirit to do a work in you. Whatever you need to do, just spend time with God and, and ask Him to show you what it is to do and to be obedient. So let's take a few, few seconds here to do that. God, I thank you for being in this place. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you have called us to not only follow you, but actually to become more like you. That we can actually have forgiveness of our sins and all that we've ever done wrong, but you've also even given us a much more bigger job than that, is to make disciples. God, that's something that happens in and through you. God, I'm so excited that if you work, and if we open our hearts to what you have for us, that our church will look radically different in even just a few weeks' time if we begin to implement what discipleship is. God, I pray for this class starting on April 7th, that your will may be done. God, we exist to glorify you. Help us to be obedient in the call of making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.